Thank you for stopping by at the Movie Marquee. Our podcast reviews well-known movies and contains spoilers. The podcast may contain mature subject matter and mature language. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. Quiet on set. Places, everybody. Welcome, everyone, to the Movie Marquee. Today's showing is the 2020 romantic comedy, The Broken Hearts Gallery. With me, as always, is Ken. I'm sorry for treating you like my own personal sanitary napkin that I bled onto you heavily in the heaviest part of my period. You know, that second day of your period where you're gushing blood? And Ted. I need to make things right with the Russians before Putin has me poisoned. (laughs) Nice. And I'm Eric. Pain is inevitable. It's what you do with it that matters. And that's what we're doing. We're reviewing the Broken Hearts Gallery today. And Ted, tell us a little bit about the particulars of this movie. The Broken Hearts Gallery is directed by Natalie Krinsky with a screenplay by Natalie Krinsky. It has a running time of 108 minutes. Its release date was September 11th, 2020. It had a budget of $8 million and had a box office gross of $4.8 million. The reason that it had such a low box office amount is because the movie was supposed to be released in early 2020. It was then delayed to July 17th, and then it was pushed off again to August 7th, 2020, because of the COVID pandemic. This is actually one of the first movies that was actually put back into the movie theater when they started to open up temporarily. So it didn't have a massive release in the movie theaters like some of our other movies. Yeah, I'd say of all the movies we've done, this is... uh clearly the the lowest budget and the lowest take the pandemic really trashed 2020 for the movie industry and this was one of the victims would this be considered an indie movie or no it would be close this is a first time director and this is the first time screenplay for natalie krinsky it's kind of independent no major production company really took it on Okay. So, yeah, you could consider it a an indie movie. It, it doesn't appear that it made any appearances at, like, the big festivals. Like, it wasn't debuted at Cannes or in Colorado. Sundance. 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 Or even Toronto. Selena Gomez, who's the executive producer on this film, her mother's production company yeah. is what where this film came from. And actually, this director, this is her only film to date, as far as I could find on the web. I couldn't find anything else that she has directed. So first time out, last time out, who knows? I don't think the pandemic shouldn't be held against her for a movie underperforming at that point, especially when a lot of the movies that were supposed to debut in 2020 were either pushed off or they were released direct to streaming through HBO Max or Disney Plus or one of those vehicles. I'm not saying that she's because of the pandemic and because of this film, good or bad or ugly. This is her only film. That's very possible. We've had directors direct one film that was really good or one film that's really bad, and then they just decide that's not what they wanted to do. True. But as far as I know, she's not in production for any other movie at this particular point. Yeah. I mean, there's been directors that have had the one massive hit. You look at the director of uh, The Deer Hunter. He really didn't make another movie after The Deer Hunter. 
he is probably so depressed after making that movie that he couldn't do another movie. That's a notorious one when you talk about one-off directors that really didn't do anything that substantial again. We'll see. I, I think she does a good job here, so we'll see how it all pans out for her. Well, who's, uh, who's in this movie? Well, it stars Geraldine Viswanathan. Her one of the biggest roles that she's been known for is she played Kayla in the movie Blockers, which was pretty funny. The male lead is Dakery Montgomery. He plays Nick Danielson, and he's known for playing Billy in Stranger Things. You have Utkarsh Ambudkar as Max Vora. Molly Gordon as Amanda. She's known for starring in the movie Good Boys. And you have Philippa Sue as Nadine, and she's known for being the original Eliza Hamilton in the musical Hamilton on Broadway. And then, of course, there's Bernadette Peters as Eva Wolf, Arturo Castro as Marcos, Suki Waterhouse as Chloe, and Nathan Dales as Jeff. Cool. All right. What do the critics think of this? Well, it has a critic score of a certified fresh of 79%, and it has an audience score of 88%. So we'll start with the negative critics because there weren't a whole lot of them. Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post wrote, Broken Hearts wends its way to the foregone conclusion with a single-minded determination that is admirable, if not exactly unexpected. He gave it one and a half out of four stars. Caroline Seedy of the AV Club wrote, For a film about heartbreak, the Broken Hearts Gallery is a bit too glossy for its own good, and gave it a C+. Mary Solosi from Entertainment Weekly wrote, Too much feels off. The setting barely resembles New York. The key to everything backstories are terribly contrived. The setup of Lucy's failed romance is inadequate to buy into what follows, and gave it a C-. I have to admit that I agree with a part of that review. It did not feel like New York. It did this not at all. Filmed Toronto? In Toronto. Shocking. Yep. It's way too clean to be New York. Nobody was swearing at you on the street. On the positive side here, we have a few heavy hitters. We have Christy Lemaire from Film Week and NPR, and she wrote that it's totally charming, a very traditional throwback romantic comedy. And Peter Travers from ABC News and Rolling Stone said, The fresh star power of Geraldine Viswanathan lifts this rom-con over formulaic setups to bring, in the words of executive producer Selena Gomez, love and laughs into the world that needs it now more than ever. And who's going to argue with that? Katie Walsh from the Tribune News Service wrote, With pluck and wit in spades, Viswanathan's character Lucy is a classic rom-con heroine whom audiences will instantly fall for. And then, of course, at the very end here is Richard Roper from the Chicago Sun-Times. He wrote, It embraces just as many rom-com staples in equally self-aware fashion, inviting us to leave plausibility at the door and enjoy unabashedly sentimental escapist comfort viewing from its first-time writer-director Natalie Krinsky, who displays a fine ear for witty dialogue. Even as Broken Hearts Gallery travels down a well-worn path, it retains a certain freshness. The pop culture references are fast and funny, whether it's Lucy telling a Harvard grad who never stops mentioning that she went to Harvard, sorry, I couldn't go to an Ivy, I couldn't pretend to row crew. Broken Hearts Gallery leans on so many of those Lucy moments to carry the day, 
and Geraldine Viswanathan is always up to the task. It's a sparkling and winning performance from an actor who has already done fine work, but is still in the early stages of a greatly promising career. Three out of four stars. Okay, cool. Some positives there, not really too harsh. I like Richard Roper's review. He's he's really taken over in the years following Roger Ebert's passing. He really has taken the mantle. And even kind of before Roger passed away, he became really the go-to guy as far as movie critics go. And he has that same use of language that Roger had that really makes me like enjoy reading his reviews, even if I don't necessarily agree with him. But I agree with him on this one. He's also very good on the radio and the and the television when you see him too. Yes. And he yeah. he did have a short podcast that was really good. I can't it was somebody from WGN uh radio. It was Rokan, probably. It he might was have on Rokan been. show for a while. During the pandemic they did a movie podcast that was really, really good. If you can check it out, it's worth checking out. Cool. All right, Ken. What's the plot of this one? Okay, the plot for Broken Hearts Gallery. Art gallery assistant Lucy saves souvenirs from every relationship she's ever been in. One night after a terrible breakup and losing her job, she gets into a car thinking it's her Lyft driver, but it's Nick. Nick asks Lucy to get out of his car, but she's too drunk and doesn't listen to him. Nick decides to take Lucy home and she shares how bad her night went. They bump into each other at a bar the next day as Nick saves her from embarrassing herself in front of her ex with his new girlfriend. Nick decides to show her the hotel he's renovating. Lucy hangs a tie she was hoarding on the wall of the hotel lobby, which leads her to decide the hotel should have her Broken Hearts gallery in it. The gallery becomes a buzz and a fresh start for many romantics throughout the city, including Lucy. Lucy considers going back with her ex when he sees how well she is doing, but the gallery is in danger because Nick can't get a loan to save his hotel. Lucy's gallery then is backed by her old boss, and Nick gets the backing of a private lender. Lucy breaks it off with her ex. Nick and Lucy start a romance, which is halted when Lucy sees Nick with his ex. Nick tries to tell Lucy that she means nothing, but Lucy is hurt. At the opening of the gallery, Nick surprises Lucy by telling her she loves him and renames his hotel after the Broken Hearts Gallery. Lucy at first resists, but comes around and admits... She loves Nick, too. The end. So nice. Short and sweet. Well, word to Ken. Good job. All right, let's keep it with Ken here. Ken, when's the first time you saw this movie? I saw it two days ago. First time? First time I ever saw it. I bought it in preparation of having this movie because it was like five bucks on eBay. Me and my wife sat down and watched it, and we will let you know what we thought about it here in the podcast later on. I, too, saw this movie two days ago with Ken's copy of the movie. And me and my wife sat down and watched the movie together, too. And I will also let you know what my review is later. And, of course, this movie was picked by Ted. So we must ask Ted, first off, when was the first time he saw it? And why did he choose it? Well, the first time I saw it, it was recommended to me by somebody who saw it. And they thought that I would appreciate this movie because they know that I do like the romantic comedy genre. And so they recommended it to me. So I checked it out once it was able to be streamed through Apple TV. 
and I immediately fell in love with the movie with the story. I also watched the movie with with my wife, and this is one of the few romantic comedies that she actually likes and would will sit down and watch again. She really enjoyed this movie, and the reason that I chose it is because this movie is one that consistently makes me smile and laugh. I always feel good after having watched it, and I wanted to share it with you guys and with our listeners, hoping that somebody else got the same appreciation and joy out of it that I did. Okay. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you have seen this movie, and you can uh, can relate to uh, what we're talking about here. So the movie itself, obviously, is staged primarily in uh, quote-unquote New York. That's what it's supposed to be in. So what are some of your favorite scenes you liked or, or possibly didn't like? Let's uh, let's start with Ken on this one. My favorite scene of this movie is when the ex comes back to Lucy and he's on, on the staircase there. And she's coming home with her two girlfriends. And he's basically asking her back. And the girlfriends just sit right next to him and basically just lay into him. The line that I had earlier about the period, that basically came from their reflections on how he treated her. That was definitely one of my favorite scenes of the movie. It makes me smile every time. And then they they do a similar thing to Nick later on in the movie too. After uh, Lucy and Nick have had their break, she <laughs> she the, her one friend Molly looks at her, looks at him and says, "You know, if somebody just happened to push you off the roof and." And then another friend just happened to run you over with a monster truck over and over again. Dressed like them. Yeah, right. That makes me laugh. I I like the way that they're protective of their friend in that way. Because I think they both kind of know that she opens up her heart easily. And they don't want to see her get her heart broken. My most favorite scene in the movie is when Lucy takes Nick to visit her mom. No, that's my favorite scene. Oh, really? Yeah, seriously, that was my favorite no. scene too. I actually, yeah. I, te- I didn't tear up, but I was, I was like, that's that was a really cool scene. Even to start off the movie, you get these little snippets of the thimble from Monopoly, and she's yeah. always leaving these messages. And I don't know, you find out exactly why Lucy does and acts the way she does, and it all makes sense at that point as to why she's doing what she's doing, and it's extremely relatable for me. My mom suffers from dementia and it's hard there are times that she doesn't remember and i really sympathize with lucy at this point in the movie it's it's, it hits home real close to home it's a scene that you would not expect in a rom-com right generally rom-coms are very upbeat for the most part that was a a very very poignant scene in there now i'm wondering when she's calling on the telephone is she talking directly into a voicemail or is she getting her mom and her mom just She's leaving. I'm not sure what she's doing there. She's leaving voicemails because her mom, obviously, she has to physically be there for to trigger so her mom remembers who she is. It's essentially she's leaving a personal like diary message for her mom. She's talking to her mom without being able to talk to her mom. I didn't get that when she went to visit her mom with Nick. I didn't think her mom knew who she was. She didn't until she, she, was, she was playing playing along with her, you know, yeah. nicely, she, but she knew that her mom really did not know that that was her daughter. Right. I think and she thought that she looked familiar, but that's why she asked, who is this? But here's where I have a slight little problem with the scene is I know it's a big reveal and it's a big surprise that her mom's got dementia. 
I probably would have liked to seen a scene where she struggles with her mom. A scene where her mom doesn't know her. It's a different movie. Maybe it is a different movie, but this goes back to what you've been saying in some other movies. If you're going to go there, maybe you should go there a little bit more. Uh, Give it more weight. So when she does meet Nick and remembers her daughter through that relationship, it has more weight. I still think it has enough weight. Don't get me wrong. It's still a really good scene. I just think it would have benefited from maybe us seeing that struggle at first. But maybe that's why we had the phone calls. I mean, it's a surprise, and I'm not sure if it could have been done better. But it's still a good scene. If there was other scenes of that, it it doesn't hold the same punch that it does to have that revealed when it's revealed. It has this moment of levity that it comes to it, but it's more of a upbeat and happy movie. I think if we go there, it becomes a different movie. It becomes like more like The Notebook. It becomes and Still Alice. Have you ever seen Still Alice? I've not yeah. seen that movie, but I know of it. Yeah. And it changes the tone of the movie. And plus, I think the way that they do this here, her mom realizes who she is when she brings out the thimble. And I think that triggers something in her mom that she then knows that Lucy's her daughter. It makes things a little bit easier. Because it's a, I mean, that's a rough scene. Maybe it would have been better if maybe that surprise is kept. But then maybe when the breakup happens, that we have some type of montage where she visits her mom and she's dealing with her mom's dementia and seeing the struggle that she's going through. Not saying that she needs Nick, but it seems like it's not enough time for that serious subject to have any weight. Because basically within... 20 to 30 seconds into that scene, she remembers who her daughter is. I just want a little bit more. I know. I don't think it's meant to have any weight. It does what it's supposed to do for the character. Well, you come to the realization as to why Lucy acts and does the things she does. Which means it should have a lot of weight because it it does. Because it gives you all of the information that it needs to give. It doesn't have to be heartbreaking. And to see somebody go through that, if we look at other rom-coms, let's say, for instance, Trainwreck, which we'll review probably later down the road, you have a scene in Trainwreck where father passes away. That's a very serious subject that she has to deal with. So I'm just saying that maybe we could take it a little bit more serious here, but it's still being an uplifting movie because, unfortunately, not everything is roses in our lifetime. Bad things happen to us, especially when good things are happening to us. So I would just like to see a little bit more maybe realism in that particular situation. Again, it doesn't kill the movie. It doesn't hurt the scene. I think the scene itself is still good. And it is still one of my favorite scenes as well. I just think you could have added a little bit more weight to that and give her situation a little bit more substance. Well, my favorite scene in the movie, besides that one, that was my one of my favorite scenes. But one of my other favorite scenes, as, as stupid as it is, I'll say it anyway, is when uh, Lucy and Nick are singing Don't Go Breaking My Heart. A little karaoke scene there. I don't know. It just it just rung with me. I enjoyed a little bit of the, the birthday party. I there. like a murder karaoke. It takes murder, two of my yeah. favorite things. Yeah. Murder yeah. and karaoke. Exactly. I thought that was kind of neat how they were singing together a little bit. Yeah, I I like that a lot, too. One of the other little vignettes that makes me laugh is when Lucy's asking Nadine how to break up with somebody. And and she takes off the glasses and Lucy goes, oh, (laughs) (laughs) like it's getting serious. And she goes into that and she goes, well, that's something. And she goes, I'm definitely not doing that. (laughs) That makes me laugh. 
it's pretty much everything I would expect of a, a stereotypical millennial in New York well, City, these aren't, if you will. These aren't even necessarily millennials. These are I know, Gen, they're, they're Gen Zs. Millennials to me. Which, which so. is weird because they reference Working Girl with Sigourney Weaver. And I'm thinking, who is in their mid-20s knows that movie? I mean, they're singing Don't movie. Go Breaking My Heart. Well, that Eric I think just took the words more... right out of my mouth. Yeah, it's... I think I, the, that you're that thinking song, way I think too is, much about it. Yeah, I just think it's a really weird reference for mid twenty somethings. It's just kind of strange to me. There's nothing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I mean, everybody has a right to like what they like and stuff. Would you think that this movie that's aimed at mid twenty somebodies they would get that reference of Working Girl with Sigourney Weaver? How I would old? Say no. How old is the director? I don't know. Sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, but these it, girls are 26, 27. It, I probably wouldn't know anybody in their 30s that would know that movie. How about scenes you didn't like? Is there something that kind of... Oh, yeah. I got Oh, one. yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's kick it off with Ken's hatred here. The biggest problem I have with this movie is when Nick asked Lucy to meet him at that sign place. And she's sitting there and she's waiting and waiting, trying to call him. He's not answering. And then she goes back to the hotel and no Nick. Well, all of a sudden, Nick walks in with his ex-girlfriend. There's no explanation, really, outside of them saying, I was showing her the hotel. But what were you doing before you came into the hotel? And why weren't you answering the phone calls? There's really no explanation. Was he embarrassed that he has a girlfriend and didn't want to tell his ex that he was seeing somebody? I won't even say they glossed over it. They completely don't tell you what happened there. It basically goes from that to... Him telling her that he's sorry, but what is he sorry for? Besides naming the hotel after his ex-girlfriend and not telling her originally. He's not sorry that he didn't return her calls or left her stranded over at the sign company. I have a problem with that because I like attention to detail and there's really no detail here. And it's an important scene. Interesting observation. What do you think about that, Ted? I understand. The only thing that I can think here is that Lucy's hurt there. Lucy does a lot of jumping to conclusions and wrongly jumps to the conclusion and, and she reverts to being hurt. I think the fact that she sees Nick walk in with Chloe, it immediately reminds her of what Max does with his ex-girlfriend, the doctor. She feels like he wasn't being truthful. I think that you're right on a lot of those points. And I think the jumping to conclusions is probably not the best way to have went around this particular thing, but you can kind of see why she would be a little bit hurt. Right. But I, I want to know why Nick did yeah, what he did. It's really kind of inexcusable. The fact that he wouldn't pick up her phone call. And I think that's what she's also mad about. What are you hiding? I think the, a lot of the same problems that you have, as far as why he didn't pick up the calls and things like that, I think is what causes her to make the conclusions that she makes. So she really doesn't reference any of it. She just references the name of the hotel. I mean, that's the easiest thing. And ultimately, that takes the, the front of the argument when she finds out that Chloe's named after Chloe and not his grandmother. So it's everything combined into one big soup. But that was the thing that toppled it over and made her I, upset. I will say my, one of my favorite scenes with Chloe and Lucy is when... She comes in for the first time looking for Nick. Yes. And she's talking to her sock puppet there. Yes. I enjoy Lucy's character because it's so energetic and it's contagious and it, you smile with her energy because when she's happy, 
you're happy because she's a ball full of energy. When she's sad, of course you're sad because that energy is no longer there or it's being put into something that you don't want to see. The other problem I have with this movie, I don't like the buildup of Lucy's character's relationship with Nick. Nick shows throughout the movie that he is generally liking her. We don't really see her liking him really until after they visit her mom. There's a brief part like at the karaoke where she kind of looks back to see if he's there. But outside of that, I didn't get that she was falling in love with him at all. That they were just besties. I would have liked to seen a little bit of, even when her girlfriends tell her that she should like put her penis in his you know vagina thing. Right. She they're does, drunk she does, at that point. Yeah. They're drunk at that point, but she doesn't really say anything about it. She kind of throws it off like, ha ha funny. And then of course sees her ex after all that and actually seriously considers being with him. And it's almost like Nick is not even in the equation at all at that point. So I'm a little disappointed in that buildup. Once they get together, that's like instantaneous. The only thing that I'd have to say to that is I agree with a little bit of that. But there is a point when Max is coming back and he's sitting on the steps and her friends go up. And then Nick shows up with the the cake. And they have their go back and forth between them. And Nick says something I can't remember exactly the exact wordings of what he says, but it's something to the effect, well, we're just friends, I guess, or something like that. The way she looks at him is like she wants him to say that he wants to be more than friends, and he doesn't. I don't think she makes her decision at that point to try to give Max another shot, but there's a look of longing on her face that I think explains a lot. I think like she should be dismissing Max right there and then, but she's not. And Nick is showing that he is very jealous. He's getting mm-hmm. very upset. It's much different than earlier when we see Nick pretending to be her assistant and making her look good in front of him. Now he's pissed off. Why is he here? Why is your assistant talking to me like that at three o'clock in the morning and bringing you cake and stuff? like? I like their friendship. I just felt like when they finally got together, it was a little too instantaneous. I would have liked the scene... Her, like, once in a while, while they're having fun with each other, glance at him and, like, I can see myself with this guy. But maybe I shouldn't because we're friends. But it doesn't happen until basically after they visit her mom. They start holding hands up back at his place. They go back into that secret room upstairs, which I think is pretty cool. If I ever had the opportunity to have a secret room, I would put lockers in front of it, too. And then, of course, they sleep with each other. And then, of course, he hurts her. And that's the other thing is it's typical rom-com. Boy meets girl. Girl gets hurt. And then meets boy, they get hooked up, boy looks like he cheats on her, and then wins her back later. I mean, I was kind of a little disappointed by that, but at the same time, I was very encouraged that her ex-boyfriend at least had a backstory on why he treated her the way he did. I like that. That was one of my favorite parts of this movie, was that the ex wasn't just the evil. I like what she said. She said, you're the hero in your love story, and you're the villain in mine. I love that. In fact, that should have been my quote at the beginning of the movie, because that is my favorite quote in this whole movie. She just nails it right there. That's one of the things that I do like about the movie, where she's narrating the story, but what actually comes on the screen is actually the kind of the truth. So her story is just a little bit off from the narration. And I agree with a lot of what you have to say there. And I understand why you would say what you said. I think I give a little bit more forgiveness because I just go along with the story and it makes me laugh. There's one part that I don't kind of understand. 
And that's when he goes to pick up the heart, the neon heart, that he's changed the name of the hotel. This leads to the scene that you didn't like, Ken, because was he going to show her the new heart that they had their fight? And why he didn't say that he was changing the name of the hotel. And I don't understand. <laughs> the guy asks him, you canceled the order. And he goes, well, can you uncancel it? Obviously, the guy had it. Why did he have to ask him if he's going to uncancel the order? And then he has to take it down however many blocks. I'm, yeah, maybe I mean, it's that, not... sign, that sign is a custom sign. How do you cancel the order after it's already ex- made? Exactly, right? And it's like... It's like you're paying for it, pal. And on top of right. that, during their fight, he tells her that he couldn't change the name because it's too expensive. Why, if you really care about right. her right there and then, why don't you just say, hey, I got something to show you that's really important. And this will explain everything. He makes the excuse that I can't change the name of the hotel because it's too expensive. You already did. You've already changed it and you won't admit to it. Why? And that's my problem is we don't get to find out these reasons and it's just frustrating at that point. Up to this movie, I think this movie's doing extremely well. And then we hit the ex-girlfriend factor, and they crap all over it. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? You guys are really making a nice little movie here. All this doesn't make sense. And like I agree with you earlier today, I think there's a lot of good writing here. But here is where the writing just fails miserably. It's miserable for the rest of the movie, unfortunately. I think that's a little harsh, but... There's not Was much there... left in the movie after this. It's literally, right. they, they really fast forward everything about 10, 15 minutes left. It recovers a little bit maybe at the end, but the writing itself doesn't have a chance to rebound because of how quickly everything is done at the end. Was there a particular scene, Eric, that you didn't care for? You know, there wasn't really anything particular. The one thing that kind of irked me a little bit was obviously this was not filmed in New York. Um, You could tell, I mean, if we found out it's Toronto, which is not shocking, as a lot of movies are filmed in Toronto. I guess my issue was everything seems so cheery and upbeat. When I think in New York City, you don't think, even in New York 2020, you don't think of everything as all, you know, roses and champagne dreams and caviar and all that stuff. It just seemed everything was so clean. Me and my wife both commented when the girls are leaving the party, when they find the boyfriend waiting on the stoop or the ex-boyfriend, you know, three attractive, scantily clad, drunk women walking from a party at God knows what time in the morning in New York City. Come on. No. In Brooklyn. In Bro- oh, yeah, no, clearly not in Brooklyn. No, no way. Brooklyn's very hipster. No. It's not Welcome Back Cotta, Brooklyn. <laughs> it's, it's not Brooklyn of Biggie uh, either, the notorious B.I.G. Uh, I mean, things have changed in Brooklyn, but I, I get what you're saying. It would be like if they had done the same thing in Chicago or any yeah, major this, metropolitan just city. One of, my, I mean, one of my pet a, peeves. That pet peeve, is, which happens in quite a few movies, is a similar pet peeve that I had with uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, where everybody can find a place to park. You were talking about how everything is cheery and all that, and that's why I'm saying maybe we need a little bit more about the mother in here to bring it down a tad there is another sad scene that we haven't talked about before they go for the interview for the loan she has him sit down to listen about the champagne bottle about I love, okay i like that, that a lot. was because it's touching i love marco's reaction to that nope 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 <laughs> not gonna cry <laughs> that's also one of the touching vignettes of the gallery open and the barista He's one of my favorite minor characters. I think the conversation that he has with her, I think it's, it seems genuine. I think that that was really cool. 
I think that was really well done, to be perfect. It was nice to see a, a face to that. He felt that emotion. I thought that was really well done. We've had a couple of movies here where the minor characters don't get any... Don't really, time yeah, they, in a hair time. <laughs> right. They they don't get fleshed out. I mean, there's no real person there in the character where this is just a guy who has like three lines, but you feel that person has some meaning. There's an actual character there and you feel for him. The past two movies that we've done, you don't really get that with the other characters. It's just mainly centered around the two main characters. And this movie does a really good job. And this is one of the major points that I really wanted to talk about as we move away from the scenes is I love all of the characters that surround our main two love interests. I think the writer did a really good job here in creating almost a real life friend scenario around these two characters with people who have personalities and they have their own quirks and things like that. Like I absolutely adore the fact that Jeff doesn't talk and that Molly talks for him all the time. Like when and, Lucy's like, shut up, Jeff. <laughs> and he doesn't say anything. He just looks at her and she just tells right. him to shut up. That was hilarious. Right. And I love the fact that he finally does come up with something to say when he reveals how much money the two girls have bet on Lucy's relationships. And it's actually, it's very funny. And it's ironically very similar to something that Silent Bob would say in a Kevin Smith movie. And so I think it's very witty. Way to bring up that the Kevin way. Smith reference. Exactly. It's for, for clerks too. Except for clerks too. But yeah, that was the one time Silent Bob didn't live up to his reputation. I love all these characters. I think they're really fun. And there's one reason for it. It's the writing. She can take one character. We just talked about the character who lost the love of his life. And he only has like a few lines in the movie, a few moments there. But the writing there is so good. You don't need more than just the Mm -hmm. few lines or the few moments of that character. This is the difference between this movie and let's say how to lose a guy in 10 days. Those characters, those backup characters were just generic characters. The writing for them was plain and dull. And they didn't give them any life. They have just as much screen time as, let's say, uh, Lennon does in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. But it's how they use that screen time. It's much better. We get to find out one of them is obsessed with murder. I love you so much I could push you down the staircase. You know, stuff Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's a quirky type of character. And you appreciate the quirkiness. And then you have Nick's friend. And Nick's friend is is hilarious. Every time he's in that in those scenes, he kind of steals the scenes. And the relationship with him and Lucy, you almost think that they could be a couple if it wasn't for the fact that he was already married and an expecting father. Where they start he, to do the lines back and forth from the notebook. Right. After, exactly. And that's after she reads the thing with the bottle of champagne. <laughs> that N- makes Nick tries to too. walk out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the characters here have meaning because the writing gives them enough meaning even if they're secondary characters they have limited screen time but what they're given is golden and that's what separates this from other rom-coms and a lot of these people are relatively newcomers haven't done a whole lot and i think they really found a good cast they're really good actors i i don't think that there's really a bad actor in the entire bunch and for a bunch of people who hadn't done a whole lot before this, I think that that's a, a real testament. But you're right, the writing here is really good for all of these other characters. I, Eric, you had kind of shook, shook your head a little bit. What were you thinking? 
No, no, I, I agree with Ken on that. That was one of my big complaints in How to Lose a Guy was the background characters were cardboard. They had very few lines. You knew very little about them and you didn't really care anything about them. These characters at least are on the same par as your main characters. They have the same amount of screen time and the writing is very, very good for the background characters in this movie. You do feel for them if you are in fact feeling for the main characters. You do have some feeling for the background characters, and it would be a completely different movie if it was written the same way as How to Lose a Guy, where it would probably not even be close to the likability of the movie that people seem to like about it. I think it's real impressive for a first-time writer or director. We've highlighted a couple of the things that kind of let it down a little bit, and I think the end is probably a little bit rushed. But I think ultimately when they get to the end... It's deserved. I feel that the characters have went through enough to to earn that final thing. And one of the people that too that we should probably bring up is Bernadette Peters' character, Vera Wolf. When she comes in, she's like this the sage type of character that provides the wisdom, and I think she does really, really well here. I really enjoy her character as well. Man, I used to love Bernadette Peters. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. She in the eighties. Yeah, she was, so, <laughs> she looks you know, very good. A little for bit, her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. seventy three, I think she is seventy three, seventy four. She looks like she did maybe twenty plus years ago. Who knows? They might have done some surgery, but I mean, she's well known right now oh. for theater, Broadway, yeah. and stuff like she's that. Broadway, yeah. that's her yeah. big. But she was also most recently too in a Amazon Prime series called mm-hmm. Mozart in the Jungle, which if you haven't caught that series is really really good as well some amazing acting in that and very funny i highly recommend that she's one of the main characters in that series and a a good friend malcolm mcdowell from clockwork orange he's in that series as well he does very well shows a completely different side of him i've noticed a lot of rom-coms they all pretty much unfortunately screw up endings of their movies That seems to be a pretty common trend when we're dissecting rom-coms. Usually the ending is what most people agree on. It's like, hey, you could have done a little bit more work on this. You did all the work on the body of it and the beginning of it, and you're wrapping it up, and it's rushed. Predictable and rushed. And that's unfortunate because they do such a good job of setting things up at the beginning. So, for instance, Nick is the one that puts the second item in the gallery, and he plays it off like somebody came by and just dropped it off. But it was him because he wanted an excuse to get her back into his hotel. He liked her. And that's where I like Nick's character and the the relationship on his side with the growing of the relationship. And then later on, we find out that Lucy helped Nick get the loan. So it's these things that they do for each other to set each other up that I like. It's just you do all this wonderful stuff. And then at the end, you just rushed it where you had something really good here. To be honest with you, it's an hour and like 45 minutes, I think, an hour and 47 mm-hmm. minutes, somewhere in that area. It felt long for me. It felt mm-hmm. a little long. I think there could have been some fat that could have been trimmed here and there to allow that relationship to build a little bit more so we don't have that rush ending at the end. Overall, I think it's still a very good effort from a first-time director, writer, as you said, Ted. I mean... She does an amazing job, and I do hope that she decides to write and direct again, because i like to see what she will do the next time we're out, having that little bit of experience now in doing the film. And based on her production company, that's probably why she's in Toronto making this film. Oh, you know, yeah. She's, a, it's cheaper. she's an unknown. 
the taxes in Toronto. Yeah, are, Toronto is very friendly it, when it comes to movies. Yes, extremely. All your Wednesday night Chicago dramas are filmed a majority in Toronto. Chicago Med, PE. Yeah. The Chicago ones series, they do film a lot of stuff in Chicago, though, too. But you're right. Traditionally, Toronto's filled in for Chicago quite a bit as far as movies go. Before we started recording, we had kind of discussed the breakup story vignettes and how that kind of reminded us of When Harry Met Sally. And I think that's also one of the big hits as far as writing goes here. Because each one of those vignettes that each of the characters records for the gallery, those are home runs. Each one of them. Because they're all unique. I guess the only one that doesn't need to be there is Chloe's. Because other than establishing the fact that she's just kind of stuck up. But I love all of the little breakup stories from the different characters. I think it just it adds a little bit of color to the movie. Actually, I, I'm going to slightly disagree just because I like some of them, but there were other ones that I didn't particularly care for. So Which one didn't you care for? I didn't like Jeff's at all. I liked when he spoke that one time, and I think that's how they should have left it. I didn't want to hear his video story because it didn't seem like it really was much of a story. I would have liked it's, to know what happened with the guy with the bunny uh, head. Yeah, the bunny head, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of curious to see what that would have been all about. Yeah, Jeff's is supposed to be kind of silly because he hasn't talked, and now kind of like he won't be quiet. I think my problem is maybe it's a little too much borrowing from when Harry met Sally. But it's different, though. It's not not exactly what what we're doing. Those couples are telling their life stories and how they met and everything of that nature, whereas these are breakup stories. And they're not nearly as long as the vignettes that you see in When Harry Met Sally. They're different, and I think it's a different take on that idea. And I kind of like, because if I'm wrong, let me know. But the way I took those little vignettes is there's a part of the gallery where people are sitting down, they have the phone up to their ear, and I think that's where those stories are playing is when they pick those people pick up the phone in the gallery and they're listening to the people's different stories. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. If I think you're right. What, what they're doing, I wish they would have fleshed it out a little bit more to, to show that that was really because it just plays out being these videos that are just coming in and out. They're kind of like being part of the storytelling, I guess, is OK to a certain extent, but. We don't know for sure if other people, like people go to the gallery, are hearing these stories. I'm right, sure they are because she videoed all of them when they dropped their, right, uh, that's their crap right. off. Okay. We don't see yeah. a video diary of this unless you only can get it online. No, no, I think it's when they pick up the phones and there's people are sitting there at those phones. Right, but there's no there's no video. It. There's no video. Oh, they just, maybe well, they just need to hear Maybe it. there is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I videos. think maybe online because the gallery is also online. I think in this day and age, you have a virtual gallery and you have oh, your I'm physical sure. gallery. So that's probably what the case may be. But I think some of them work. I think some of them don't. Like I said, I would prefer that Jeff didn't say anything at all and just let him be quiet. And with Molly, I would have liked the scene of her story be one that made her obsessed about murder instead of giving mm. me a story about some Jewish guy and it, that's why she it, wears a hamaka and yamaka. It seems like an honest, real story. It seems like a very true story. I think the one of the funny things is that they utilize the lady who comes to Lucy's defense when Nick takes yeah. her out of the restaurant. She actually gets one of the little vignettes, too. And yeah, I sure. think her interaction when she 
<laughs> she tells Lucy that they're going to beat Nick up. I yeah. think that whole that whole sequence is pretty funny. But she even gets one of the little vignettes, and it's <laughs> she has her husband wear wear the coat when they when they have sex. I think that's pretty funny. I don't know. And then then you're at the end of the movie laugh. where Nick actually has his own, and I think that was. I don't know if I like that one. Come on, you're you're forcing it's Nick cute. to. Why is it cute? Tell me why it's cute. Because she comes in and stops him. Because so all because of a sudden it's they're, the, they're the only they're the only two characters that don't make the video diary. And she comes in and she says him. She tells him that they're not going to do that because they're still together. I don't know. I think it's cute. It's in the post credits or it's in the the middle of the credits. I think if they would have done it together and then say, you know what, we're not doing this because we're going to make well, it. Then, then that's, then a, that's a real plagiarism of when Harry, Harry met Sally. Yeah. At the end, I almost felt like you made Nick question this relationship and she stops him and says, no, we're not going to question this relationship when he's kind of never been like that. So he basically takes the Lucy role in the credits, which it's fine. I guess there's really no problem with it. I don't know. It's kind of weird to kind of throw it in the credits. I like how Lucy handles the crowd too. She's like, you guys, you need to stop. (laughs) I think it's it's funny. It's interesting how... You know, she's scared of public speaking at the beginning of the film, and that's why she drinks a lot. But then when she's doing her own gallery, she's perfectly fine, and she's not drinking any alcohol. She's more relaxed. But I did have a little bit of a problem with that whole scene of him and her going back and forth and her kind of being mean to him in front of everybody. I understand that that wasn't probably a place where he needed to do that. This is a rom-com. Of course he's going to do that, because that's what rom-coms do. But she's kind of vicious. A little bit. But she also, I think it's funny how she interacts with the crowd when the crowd starts to get behind him. I, I don't know. I, I like it. It does what it's supposed to do. I, see, I don't I, think I, I like funny. it. I, I like the crowd being behind him. But her reaction to the crowd being behind him, I, I didn't care for. And then all of a sudden, like a minute later, I love you. You know, it's because well, she think, always did love him. Did she always love him? I, like, again, yeah. I'll go back and saying that. That's why she's a, hurt. She's only loved him since uh, they had sex, but I mean... No, she's always loved him. I don't, I don't him. think so. Yeah. Always been obsessed with him. Well, tell me when did she acknowledge that this could be a relationship. After she hung the tie up on the wall. Mm-hmm. From that point so? on. I, I think so there. The other time, I think, like I said, is when she looks back after the karaoke, and she looks back and he's not there. There's and a little she, brief I'll agree with you and on And then she makes that look when Max is trying to, to get her back. She looks at him like... I want you to say that you like me too. But at the bookstore, she takes the keys and goes after him to give him the keys back. Were the, wait, she, weren't, those, st- weren't those the, the AirPods? Uh, their AirPod the, case. They weren't the keys. AirPod case. Oh, they weren't keys? Okay. No, I they thought were they were keys yeah, first. Because I'm like, oh, I didn't even give I, back the keys. Wow. No, it's the case of the Air, AirPods. Okay. I thought the person behind the counter said keys or something like that. You forgot your keys or something. No, like here's that. your case. Your case. case, okay. She said your case, but she doesn't ever give him the case back. No, so she's he still doesn't holding deserve on. to get his case back. He's no, a, she's still holding on to that relationship. But then it goes yeah, in the garbage. Going garbage. It eventually goes in the eventually. garbage, but she doesn't give it back to him. She holds on to him, and she still has this like revenge story. And I think it throws Nick off a little bit at the karaoke bar because she's talking about still getting revenge, which means that her focus is still on her ex boyfriend. So I don't think that she's falling in love with Nick yet. I think I agree with you, Ted. I think that look back means that there's something there, but I don't think she gets it until that point where he says something to her when they're walking out after the meeting. 
he says something to her that clicks in her mind. And that's why she goes to her girlfriend to ask her how to break up with the guy. I think that's where she falls in love or realizes she's in love with Nick. There's other romantic comedy characters that she's kind of similar to. She's kind of the character that almost has to be hit over the head to realize that she's in love with the person, even though the character's in love with the person. But it, yeah, the friends. Yeah, the friends it, are telling her it's, exactly because the friends know immediately. Yeah. I mean, her two friends know instantaneously. They know the moment that they see them together doing the karaoke. That they don't even look at each other. They both have the same reaction that they know that there's something there. I don't like the bet with the two girlfriends that they bet on her relationship. Oh, I think it's hilarious. It's not. Well, she's always in a breakup, so it's always right. the person who that's bets what, that she's going to break why, up. That's why Nadine always loses. She's always don't. betting on her. That's, that's why I don't really care for that, because she's in all these relationships. Is she one that also collects toenail clippings and things of that nature, too? So that's mm-hmm. a little on the disc. I thought I heard that part. There are some in Lucy's room after the whole Max thing happens at the beginning of the movie where she has her big epic fail. It might have been something that she had kept from a different relationship or something because Molly does mention that the toenail clippings. But no, nobody's <laughs> nobody's actively keeping toenail clippings. That's a little weird. All right, so each one of us in the past obviously has had prior girlfriends. I hope prior uh, fiancés, prior wives, who knows? We've all had priors. So let's uh, see if any one of us can relate to this movie at all. Ken, tell us about one of your breakups and did you keep anything from that breakup? So, yeah, I did have a relationship. It was really earlier on. I think I was about 19 living on, you know, my, with roommates and I had a girlfriend that lived with me at the time and we broke up and it was it didn't end well and i think the one thing that i just kept for a while was a picture of her at her prom with somebody else it was the only picture i had of her so i just kept it for a while besides that i don't think i really kept any other items that i can think about yeah i think that's the only time i ever like kept an item eventually i did tear up the picture and threw it in the garbage because i i needed to move on Everyone keeps photos, though. I mean, what about like a specific item, something that's not a photograph? So there was another relationship after her that I had that I did keep something, but I don't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't a picture. I want to say it was some type of writing, like on a piece of paper or something like that, that was done during our relationship that I just kind of kept in my wallet as kind of like a keepsake. And then same thing happened. One day I just passing by a garbage can and i said you know what this is perfect time just to get rid of it don't remember much about it you know i mean i i I understand lucy's deal about being like what ted said earlier about automatically going to that place where you think somebody's gonna break your heart i got to the point where i was my heart was broken so many times that I, i actually had a relationship where i was just waiting for it to happen and guess what it happened why? Because I kept on waiting for it to happen. I kept on doubting that relationship, doubting her, doubting us. And it got to the point where she was frustrated with me being like that. I, I had too much baggage at the time. And so she decided to go ahead and end it because she couldn't deal with the baggage anymore. And I don't blame her. So I kind of understand Lucy in that aspect, because by the time she meets Nick, she's been hurt so many times, she automatically is going to go to that place when she sees something bad happen. Okay. How about you, Ted? I've never kept anything from a relationship. 
Nothing? Nothing at all. Nothing ever kept. No. I he, didn't keeps about, he keeps things about me in his house. I do. Yeah. I do yeah, a lot. No. It's kind of creepy. I'm your stalker. A little creepy. Um, <laughs> in high school, I was friend-zoned a couple of different occasions, which was frustrating. But my breakup story, I'm actually a max in this case. I'll preface this by saying this is the person that I dated before I started dating my wife. And... I had found out that my wife was going to be single and I was in the middle of dating this girl and we had been dating for a few months and she invited me to her senior prom and I was in I was a freshman in college I was in eighth grade <laughs> right and I had found out the week before that my wife was going to be available and things weren't really working out between the two of us uh, anyway, some stuff had happened, and I found out some stuff that I was kind of lied to. But I actually dumped her on her prom night, and it almost cost me my chance life? with my wife. Ooh, yeah, Ted, you're a horrible it, man. It almost horrible. cost me. It almost cost me a chance with my wife because we were friends at the time, and she was profusely telling me that I should not do this. But I had had it in my head that I was going to try to make the move for my wife. Yeah, I dumped her on her prom night. That was not a good idea. That was bad. <laughs> that was really bad. If you go on Reddit, there's, am I an asshole? Yeah, I was an asshole. That was not my most shining moment. We'll put it that way. Is it specific to you on Reddit? No, it's a oh. whole. That's a whole thread on. It's a whole thread on Reddit. Oh. It's, that site can be such a cesspool, but that's one of the highlights. Is these people that uh, post on there asking if they're the asshole and whatever disagreement that they're having. It's pretty hilarious. Check it out if you can. What about you, Eric? I got so much crap from ex-girlfriends. It's not even funny. <laughs> I mean, you had a dog. I had a dog from a from an ex girlfriend slash no fiance. way mm -hmm. you kidnapped her dog? No, 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 no. She she oh, got was, the dog for me. Got the dog. Oh, okay. Yes. So I had that dog <laughs> for many, many, many years. As I'm looking around, I see little little things, tidbits here and there. Uh, I I'd, I'm not going to go into any real specifics about people, but there was uh, one girl that I was dating slash engaged to and the joke was i was like engaged like 18 different people it felt like so i have a travel shaving kit that i still use to this day can't seem to get rid of it you're a hoarder mm. you're a bit. relationship hoarder well, a little bit you know i got like cds few videos movie videos um, you know, yeah, we stuff. know kind of videos. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, There's those just... kind of videos, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> just nickel and dime stuff, photos. I mean, I'm I'm the type of person I don't throw photos away, no matter how hurtful or how bad the relationship was. I think you should keep photos because once that photo's gone, the memory's gone, good or bad. So... Enough about us. Hey, they don't want to listen are... to the podcast is, about us. This is all about me. Come on, yeah, yeah. this yeah. is all about us. By the way, did you know there's actually a museum of broken heart relationships actually exist in Croatia? Croatia, uh, the country? Yeah, it's mm. in Croatia. If you ever want to visit the museum of broken relationships, go to Croatia. Croatia. It's there. I'm kind of amazed that an idea like this hasn't popped up as something before. It's such a novel idea. It is kind of interesting that it would not have 
popped up. It's very interesting here in America. That you say that because I think it's a stupid idea. Oh, really? Yep. And you're the one that has all the stuff from the previous girlfriends. Yeah, but I'm not advertising it in a quote unquote gallery. Sorry, man. I, I think it's a stupid idea. And I think, I think it's, it's a stupid a... idea that's used well, though. I, I like the idea of them handing over this stuff to take the load off of that relationship, especially if they haven't moved on to the next relationship. You know, holding on to something of somebody else's is kind of like holding on to that relationship. And I, and I kind of like how what they did with that. I kind of agree it sounds stupid. And, it, and I... there's only one museum in the world, I guess, for it. And it's in Croatia. So I guess it's not the best idea. I kind of like the idea. It's a way for some people to let go. The people that need to let go of something like that, right. that there's a, a place for that. I think if it's done a little bit differently than the way Lucy does it here in the movie, I think it could be kind of interesting. If people do this on Instagram and other different social media. I mean, that's which, essentially which is what also Facebook stupid, is. Right, which is also I, stupid. Believe me, there are just weird-ass galleries all over the country, which oh, is yeah. weird, yeah. weird stuff that is considered art, quote-unquote. Right. So, no, this is not a dumb I'm, idea. It's just stupid. If you could come in and you see the different things, and it has a little tidbit of the story behind it, I think it would be kind of interesting to spend an afternoon. I wouldn't and charge around it would be fifty to get in. Sure, I would yeah. think it'd be depending on the items. Valet so like parking, we, like right. we were talking about that bunny head. The guy I would with the bunny know head. With I want to know head. about him too. I yep. want to know what happened to him. Other things that they were showing a tie. I, mean, I don't care about. But if I see a bunny head, but it has or... an interest, but if it has an interesting story attached to it, right? But it's going to be the item that's going to catch my eye. I'm not going to be interested True. in the story True. unless I see the item first, and that item is going to be what draws me. But I'll say this: if you're going with a group of people, and I would suggest that you would go like with a group of people, what might not catch your eye might catch somebody else's eye, and if it's a good enough story, they'll be like, "Hey, you need to come read the story." There's an opportunity there. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a quote unquote art gallery, but a place like that it would be interesting. And like I said, it'd probably be something that you just do on a lark. It wouldn't be in a hotel. But it would be, it would be fun. Much. But I think it would be great if a it was bar? like a. Like a bar, exactly. Like eatery where you would right. eat and have some drinks and then there's a special area where you could see all this. Kind of like how sports bars have sports memorabilia. This type of bar would have relationship memorabilia. So I think be a that's lot more fun than work. Dave and Buster's. I like Dave and Buster's. It's horrible. All right, gentlemen, let's uh let's see what uh we think of this movie. We'll start it off with Ken, then I'll go, and then we'll end it off with Ted because it's his movie. Take it away, Ken. I like this movie. I enjoy this on a lot of different levels, but it does frustrate me also on other areas. It looks nice, but it doesn't look like you guys said, like New York. So it doesn't have an authentic type of feel to it. I kind of agree with Eric a little bit. It's, it feels like very glossy, really happy. And I like that with the Lucy character. I think Lucy's character is great. I enjoy her. I think she's funny. She's smart most of the times. But I also like Nick's character. And the actor who played Nick, he, he was also in Stranger Things. And he played like a really mean-spirited guy in that TV series. Was that the season that Jason Aston died in? You know, don't listen to Ted. So I like seeing him here playing more of a romantic lead here. I think he does a pretty good job of it. I like his character. I relate to his character. I relate to her character. I think it's a good blend of both. Again, the supporting cast, very funny. 
the director, writer here, she did a great job of setting up these secondary characters with some meat on the bone. And when they're on the screen, we're just laughing at them and enjoying them. I love the scene with the ex-boyfriend and them just ripping on him. I think that movie is kind of like the movie in a nutshell. It's fun. This is a fun movie. It just kind of goes off the rails at the end, which is unfortunate because I think it was heading in the right direction. As far as a grade, this one's really tough for me. I'm like in between a B minus and a B on this. I think I'm going to go with a B because of Lucy's character and the energy she brings. Her energy makes this movie go. That says something about the actress here. I've seen her in Blockers, and I didn't like Blockers at all. I thought her character in Blockers was annoying. But this character here is exciting. I think it uses her talents much better than they did in that movie Blockers. And I've also seen her in Miracle Workers. She's very good in that as well. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with a B. It could be a B-, minus, but my initial thought here is I'm going to stick with a, a weak B. Okay. All right. Weak B it is. This movie, first time, I would agree that the directing is very good. The writing is very good. As a rom-com, I think it's a fairly good movie. The cast, I think, is cast perfectly for this movie. So, in that case, it's a great movie. Here's why I don't like the movie. I can't relate to any of these characters at all. I can't relate to them whatsoever. And they annoy the hell out of me. Says the guy with all the stuff at home. That's right. They annoy me. Lucy's character is good. I mean, she's good. But even she gets on my nerves a little bit. And maybe I'm just a crotchety old man. But they just, yeah, I know, I am, yeah. But they just get on my nerves. And I can't relate to them. I can't get behind them. I really could care less what happens to them. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, Thank God it's over. I'm done with it. I just wasn't crazy about this movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. It's just not my movie. I guess I like the older rom-coms with older people in them that are actually adults and do stuff. They just don't do anything for me. For me, this movie is a solid C. I could give or take it. All right, Ted, you picked it. So I'm hoping you're going to give it a better rating than me and Ken. I do have a little bit different of opinion. I actually really like these characters. I like for the time that I sit down and watch the movie, I like how these characters interact with each other. They feel like real people rather than just characters on a screen. Where God, and I hope they're not real people. <laughs> the reason that I say that mainly is because like Lucy, my wife's sister has a very similar type of energy to her. And I think that that makes Lucy's character more endearing to me. I like these people. I like how they hang out. I like their senses of humor. I think how they play off of each other is really good. I I really love Marco, Nick's friend. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the whole movie. This is where I would I differ from Eric here. I like these characters. I think they're funny. As far as a movie, I think it's really well written and really well directed. I think we've established that there are some flaws, but I think that's going to be with any movie, especially in the quote-unquote romantic comedy genre of movies. I think this stands out, and I think the reason it stands out is that it dares to be different. It has the same formula that almost all romantic comedies follow, but the story is a little bit different, and that makes it the movie endearing to me. Ultimately, too, at the end of the day, when I come to a romantic comedy, does it make me laugh? Yes, it makes me laugh every single time I watch it. Do I feel happy at the end? And it makes me feel happy. And I like that the characters finally get together at the end. 
This movie, it's a solid A for me. I like this movie a lot. I recommend this movie to anybody who that I see that I know that likes these type of movies. I ask if you've checked this movie out. And this is a movie that I'll just pick up randomly and watch because it makes me happy. Ultimately, I like to do things sometimes that make me happy. We want to keep Ted happy. You don't want to see Ted when he's angry. And Donald, no, we don't want to see Ted angry. Like, you wouldn't like, like me when I'm angry. That's right. All right. Well, wow, an A. I didn't really see an A coming, but I was thinking maybe a B plus, A minus. But all right, solid A. We're pretty much A, B, C here on this one. We all have different all levels. Right. Cool. Close the Jackson 5. There we go. What's the next movie we're going to be doing after this one in the fourth series of St. Valentine's Day rom-com? We did a poll on our Facebook page, and there was a tie between Love Actually and Four Weddings and a Funeral. Well, Ted broke the tie and chose Love Actually, so Love Actually will be the movie that we'll be reviewing next. Which I believe Ted has never seen? I have not seen it. A movie Ted has not seen. And I actually love it. We'll see. I'm a sucker for these movies, so. My prediction, Ted is going to love it. Yay. We'll see. My prediction, pain. (laughs) Pain. Wow. All right, Rocky. All right, it's all the the time we have here today. Ted, where can they find us on on Twitter? We can be found on Twitter at movie underscore marquee with two E's. And then also check us out on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it be on Stitcher or Apple or Anchor. If you can, leave us a five-star rating and a review. That helps us get seen by more people. And the more people that we get ears on our podcast, it validates the fact that what we're doing is actually worthwhile. And you never know, maybe in the future, maybe we could actually throw a couple of bucks at Ken because he makes us sound better than we'd really do. Amen to that. Ken, what are they saying about us on Facebook? Well, you can also join us on Facebook. Look up the movie Marquee with two E's and request to join and we'll review your application. As far as what we're doing on Facebook, we've been doing some articles, been sharing some stuff, you know, top films from Nicolas Cage. There are top films from Nicolas Cage. Yeah, can you name a top film from Nicolas Cage? Con Air, Con Shit. I... I like National Treasure. Oh. But we also talked about the Blockbuster video going down the drain. I mean, most of us have watched movies from Blockbuster video back in the day. So or own copies of them still. Yeah, still have the boxes. Oh, yeah. And some of us even have an actual board game of the Blockbuster video. Yes, we do. Video, which is Ted. And then I just want to take a time to uh, remember Ivan Reitman, who had uh, recently passed away. Uh, great director slash producer. Uh, movies such as... Ghostbusters, Stripes, Meatballs. Uh, we'll eventually do a retrospective on Ivan Reitman, but another icon gone too soon. It's a shame that we, we lose the great ones, and uh, I think Ivan Reitman was one of them. Definitely. 75, right? Fire yes, sir. Right? 75, yeah. And his son is continuing his tradition of directing. Yes, he's really good. Mm-hmm. He recently so. did the Ghostbusters Afterlife, mm-hmm. which we'll okay. talk about eventually as well. Which I will eventually see. It's funny mm, you mention that because really someone good. that I work with mentioned that movie and asked that I'd seen it yet. It's very good. And then every Sunday, someone mentions if I've ever seen Dune, the new Dune, which I do have to see. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be the next person that tells you you need to see the new Dune. All right. There we go. Two people will see me to say I need to see Dune. I like Dennis Villanueva, who directed that movie. 
He's better than the 1984 version, or oh dear lord, yes, yeah. David Lynch, even David Lynch, his own movie. yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. That, I've seen the David Lynch one. I have too. David Lynch actually hates that movie. That's a whole other discussion for another podcast. All right. Well, join us next time where we'll be uh, doing our fourth and final movie, Love Actually. So if you haven't seen it, go out and rent it, buy it, stream it, whatever you need to do, and come back and listen to us discuss it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, and have a pleasant tomorrow. We'll see you next time. See you at the movies. See you next time at the Movie Marquee. Mm-hmm.